Witch hunts on the rise in Papua New Guinea. Belarusian activist may have prophesied his own demise. And Neil deGrasse Tyson comes out swinging against the extraterrestrial hypothesis for UFOs. All this and more in today's episode of the Spectral Skull Session. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Do you ever have this problem? You're getting ready for a long walk in the woods and you want to roll a spliff of smokable herb. You've got your herb in the bathroom. You're rooting around in your toiletries kit for medical scissors so you can chop it up nice and fine. But then you have to go get a plate from the kitchen. When you're all done, it's a mess. You've got herbs all over the bathroom. Your hands smell like herb. You've got to wash all this stuff and put it back. It takes forever to get out the door. You're not vibing. You gotta light that spliff up before you can feel at peace. Ugh. Luckily, Happy Trees has a solution. A premium grade stash box from Happy Trees. That's happytreesupplies.com. Happy Trees sells a convenient lockable stash box. It comes with a four-piece titanium grinder that will give you the smooth grind you've been looking for. The 50 diamond cut teeth grinds your herb to the perfect size for cones and rolls. The neodymium magnets keep the lid on tight while you grind. There's also a stash jar, which will protect your herb from damaging UV rays and keep moisture in so your stash stays fresh. The airtight seal helps keep smells inside so you can save them for yourself. There's also a metal rolling tray so you can save every precious bud. And everything fits snugly into the box. Plus it has a key so your nosy roommate or your little brother isn't poking around in your stash. They come in three varieties. There's the Metatron's Cube-themed box that has Metatron's Cube etched on the box and every accessory. Metatron's Cube is a sacred image associated with the angel who translates the directives of God into a form comprehensible to humans. This is according to the Kabbalah. There's also a Desert Visions-themed box. It has colorful desert scenes painted onto the accessories. And for those of you who prefer plain, there's a box made of bamboo that is just adorable. I have my own Happy Tree stash box. Yes, I use it to hold my stash. I absolutely love it. These boxes range from $38.90 to $28.90 on the website, happytreesupplies.com. But now Happy Trees is offering a special deal to anyone who listens to this show. Use the coupon code SPECTRAL20 for a 20% discount. What are you waiting for? Skip the mess, get organized, and preserve your stash from degrading ultraviolet light and snoopy little thieves who try to make off with your herb. Check out happytreesupplies.com 
That's happytreesupplies.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm recording this show on Friday, June 18th, 2021. Of course, one of the main stories in the news is the ongoing UFO fervor surrounding the upcoming release of a document by the Directorate of National Intelligence, or the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI, uh, supposed to happen on June 25th. But even before that, I need to say that I made a mistake in our last episode in talking about the New York Times as having received a leak. I said that the New York Times had actually gotten a leaked copy of that ODNI report. Now, I was just mischaracterizing the article there. What actually the article said was that the New York Times had talked to officials who had read the report, and those officials were saying that the report uh, cannot rule out UFOs being aliens, but it also can't rule out UFOs being uh, humans. And so I think my analysis about the report as having been leaked as having ramifications for how the Pentagon tries to control its sources in the U.S. media, I think my analysis is completely valid. It's just that I mischaracterized the nature of that leak as one in which a document had been released to a reporter, when in fact the nature of the leak is that people read the report ahead of time and then talked to reporters about what it says. But that still gives those individuals, if not the entire Pentagon, a tool for controlling their media sources, right? They gave privileged information to certain sources ahead of time, which empowers those sources over those who didn't get that information leaked to them. People like me, Joe Rogan, Glenn Greenwald, all sorts of independent media out there who um, don't answer to the man, but answer to the listener. Moving on, the UK Independent reports rising numbers of women in Papua New Guinea attacked after being accused of witchcraft. So they report that five women in Papua New Guinea have been attacked over accusations of witchcraft since March of this year, with one woman being murdered by a group of vigilantes. Most recently, Mary Kopari was accused of sorcery after a young boy died in her village. She was tied up and burned alive. With the attack filmed and reported, by Papua New Guinea Television. In another recent incident, a 45-year-old woman and her 19-year-old daughter were accused of causing another woman's husband to have died. These women were tied up for hours and scalded with hot irons before police were able to rescue them both. They were also treated for knife injuries. Seemingly by way of explanation, this article from The Independent also contains some analysis telling us that violation in relation to allegations of sorcery is prevalent in Papua New Guinea, taking place in the context of high levels of gender-based violence, women being the victims of the majority of incidents in which there are accusations of witchcraft, although men are also sometimes also victims. And Human Rights Watch made the statement that, quote, the Papua New Guinea government should urgently investigate all cases of violent sorry, violence following sorcery accusations and prosecute those responsible. Gender-based violence is a persistent problem in Papua New Guinea and the government is doing, and the government is doing very little to stop it, end quote. Now, giving my own commentary, I don't know how many of you out there have noticed that there are two narratives that get told about witchcraft 
On one hand, we are often told that accusations of witchcraft are nothing more than a tool of misogyny used against women. So the idea that historically women are accused of being witches and then burned at the stake or tortured, and it's a way for men to commit violence against women. I suppose the idea is you get rid of a woman you don't like by accusing her of witchcraft. And since she is a low uh, power and authority member of society, there isn't much she can do, so you can get rid of her that way. Um, the other narrative you hear about witchcraft is that it's a tool of women's empowerment, that women turn to witchcraft when they feel like they aren't adequately empowered. And so the first narrative sort of suggests, well, there really is no such thing as witchcraft or witches. It's just a socially constructed category that revolves around malice, right? Malice by men against women. But um, also sometimes it's been framed as malice by women against other women, usually more powerful women against less powerful women. And then the other narrative is one of in which witchcraft is real, uh, but it's a tool of empowerment. Can these two be reconciled? I think, first of all, we need to recognize that they exist. I think that too often people aren't aware that there are these two somewhat inconsistent narratives. But I also think they can be reconciled. Uh, if you think of women, and probably anyone who is in a low power status in their society, as turning to the occult as a tool to get power. So if you don't have means of getting things done, of defending yourself in your society, you might turn to occult methods as a way to try to protect yourself. You might even try to use tools like the nocebo effect, that's the negative placebo effect, to try to scare your target, right? Because you can't defend yourself through normal means. Maybe you don't have legal or physical modes of recourse to protect yourself. So you might try to turn to the person's superstition and play a psychological game as a tool of self-defense or to seek revenge. And so um, I think that witchcraft probably is uh, a means of empowerment, which then means it probably is used by people in societies where there are failures to treat all people as equal before the law. I imagine that in a society where women are treated badly and they can't protect themselves, some of them really do practice witchcraft. They probably turn to the occult. And so you can see an interesting causal relation there between misogyny or mistreatment of women and accusations of witchcraft. It may not be so straightforward that accusations of witchcraft are entirely made up means of, you know, just dispensing with women and that they're totally BS. It could easily be that, yeah, women in places where they're being abused really do turn to witchcraft. Certainly a thing to look into. Much more, I think, because I, I see the narratives, at least the way they're presented, they often really seem to be in conflict. It's usually said that witchcraft is empowering when it's done in the West, right, by Western women, um, and it's just a made-up accusation anywhere else. And the way those narratives are deployed, I think some work needs to be done about figuring out how to make them mesh. But I've just suggested how you might do it. And good luck to the sociologists out there. I also see that the government of Papua New Guinea is circulating flyers that say everyone has a right to life. Killing someone because you think they are a sorcerer is against the law. Well, that seems like the right approach. You certainly can't kill somebody just because you think they committed a crime. It certainly raises another question. Are we ever justified in using legal or social measures to punish witchcraft? You might think, 
Well, no. Like, you can't ever do that. I'd like to argue, though, that there are cases in which it would be appropriate to take legal or at least social sanction against someone who engages in witchcraft. And that would be a case where a person can be proven in a court of law to have intended to use witchcraft to do harm to another person in a way that is not legal. So, for example, you put a hex on someone and attempt to murder someone. I think that that could be illegal. It wouldn't be wrong to prosecute a person in a situation like that. Here's my argument. Um, I don't want to use myself as an example. Suppose Johnny, a theoretical person who does not exist, wishes to do harm to another person. Let's call this person Tribute. So Johnny goes out and he goes to the gun store and he buys a gun with the intention of shooting Tribute. He gets the gun, he waits, he plants an attack on Tribute, and he pulls it off. But when he pulls the trigger, it turns out that he's purchased a toy gun. He got swapped a toy gun at the gun store. He didn't know it, but the guy at the gun store suspected something was off and didn't sell him a real gun. So as Johnny committed a crime, it seems like it's attempted murder to me. It seems pretty straightforward. Now let's go to the case of witchcraft. You might think, well, you can't really harm somebody with witchcraft. I don't agree with that, but let's say for the sake of the argument, this is probably the strongest reason for thinking witchcraft isn't a prosecutable offense. You say, well, you can't ever harm somebody by means of witchcraft. Therefore, there's no point in prosecuting somebody for it. Well, people who practice it certainly believe they're able to hurt somebody with it, right? Otherwise, what are they doing? So if it's appropriate to prosecute Johnny for attempted murder when he used a fake gun, I think it would also be appropriate to prosecute someone for witchcraft when they attempt to use witchcraft to do illegal harm to another person. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it would be appropriate to prosecute witchcraft in all cases. If you're performing witchcraft and you're not trying to harm somebody, they'd clearly be inappropriate to prosecute you. Um, and if you're performing witchcraft to harm somebody, but it's a legal kind of harm, like self-defense, or, you know, that as in the movie Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, where the witch uh, uses witchcraft to defend her country against the Germans. Uh, that's where she's a British witch, and she chases the Nazis off of using witchcraft. Certainly, there's nothing wrong there. But it seems like theoretically you can prosecute witchcraft. So that's my view. Um, and so the issue here, I think, with these vigilante attacks on witches in Papua New Guinea, well, you can't take the law into your own hands in any circumstances. You can't, as a vigilante, go kill somebody because you think they cast an illegal, harmful witchcraft spell on another person. So that's clearly what's wrong there, in my view. It's not the idea that people believe there are witches. Because there might be witches. For all we know, there are witches. They cast efficacious spells, and they can harm other people. It's certainly possible. Um, I think also it can be a little bit disrespectful of another culture to say, well, you know, there's no such thing as witchcraft. This is just misogyny. I'm like, you need to stop having these misogynist ideas. That just flat out, to me, it's just not the right message to send to people. I would encourage those of you out there who are having problems with witchcraft to respond in kind. So seek out supernatural solutions for supernatural problems. You can always cast counter spells or counter charms. My understanding is that every major religious tradition has certain practices that you can use to protect yourself from evil. 
So whatever tradition you most identify with, I would turn to that tradition and mine it. So seek out the sub-tradition within it that will allow you to protect yourself. And now, moving across the world from Papua New Guinea to the beleaguered nation of Belarus, Belarusian activist Roman Protastevich was captured by the Belarusian KGB. Despite being in exile, on May 24th, the Belarusian authorities captured him after forcing down his plane. The plane was flying from Greece, Athens, I'm sorry, from Athens, Greece, to Vilnius, Lithuania, and it passed over Belarusian airspace. As it passed over Belarusian airspace, it was contacted by Minsk International Airport, which informed the plane they had reason to believe there was a bomb on board. The plane was then escorted by a MiG fighter jet to Minsk International, where it landed, and Roman Prodastovich was taken into custody by authorities, along with his girlfriend. But here is the occult twist to this story. Roman's girlfriend, quote, I never believed in prophetic dreams and so on, but the night before the flight from Athens, Roman had a dream that we would land in Minsk. He used to say he had prophetic dreams. End quote. That is, Sophia Sopega, she would have graduated this year from law school, and she would be, I guess, a Belarusian lawyer at this point. I don't know what she's doing. She's Russian, and she's in Belarus. She probably thought she'd be better off in Belarus than she would be in Russia. I guess that was wrong. Uh, sad story here. Clearly, this man's psychic powers did not enable him to evade capture by the Belarusian KGB. He wasn't able to use his psychic abilities to protect his girlfriend either, because she is also in prison. In fact, we got this story because she apparently has been writing letters to her family. She's allowed to write letters from prison. And uh, to give some context to the story, uh, Belarusian authorities said that the bomb threat was sent to them by Proton Mail, and it was signed as being from a Hamas cell. But Hamas denied any involvement, and the opposition in Belarus has pointed out that the email is dated 24 minutes after Belarusian authorities say they got the bomb threat. So the email that's used as evidence of a bomb threat on that plane uh, was sent too late to have actually served as evidence that motivated Minsk International to force the plane to land. Everybody rejects the idea that there was a bomb on the plane or a bomb threat against the plane. Everybody agrees that um, Lukashenko's government used a very unorthodox method to force down an international passenger plane. It was Ryanair, Ryanair jet. And, uh, you know, because he wanted to capture uh, political opposition. And so European authorities have responded by telling their commercial jets not to pass through Belarusian airspace. And I believe that right now you cannot get into Belarus unless you're flying on Turkish air. And the larger context here is that Belarus has been having a failed revolution since August when their president, who's been president for about 25 years now, he won, I think it was his sixth election with 80% of the vote, and it was widely alleged that the vote was fake. It's a really unfortunate situation, and uh, all I would like to say is that, you know, you shouldn't need to have psychic powers to know to stay, stay clear of Belarus right now, please, everyone. All right, we probably should move on. UFOs, which is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Astrophysicist, 
planetary scientist, author, and science communicator, graduated from Harvard, University of Texas at Austin, and Columbia University. And um, what does he have to say? Well, he wrote an article for CNN. The article is titled, As a Scientist, I Want to Believe in UFOs, But... And here's what Neil deGrasse Tyson has to say. There is a real question as to what is going on when a strange object is observed and flying through the air. Or maybe the better question is, quote, is anything going on, end quote. That's what many people hope the forthcoming report from the Pentagon will tell us. Nevertheless, Mr. Tyson goes on to say this. Difficulties of interstellar travel aside, it seems to me to be inconceivable that an advanced species would find us interesting enough to visit, but not interesting enough to contact. And if they wanted to avoid contact, they're not being very stealthy about it. This is the full extent of his counter-argument against the extraterrestrial hypothesis in this piece in CNN. Why would they come here and not make contact? That's his argument. So they wouldn't do that. They've come a long way and they would attempt to contact us, but we haven't been contacted. Therefore, conclusion, they are not here. It's a little contrived because he even says, it's inconceivable an advanced species would find us interesting enough to visit, but not interesting enough to contact. And if they wanted to avoid contact, they're not being very stealthy about it. Well, it sounds like he's saying that they are contacting us. Or we are in contact. We're certainly seeing them in the sky. We're seeing something in the sky. Couldn't that be alien contact? Couldn't that seeing things in the sky be aliens making contact? We've heard from Luis Elizondo recently that these things have turned off nuclear weapons. In other incidents, they've turned on nuclear weapons. That sounds like contact. That sounds like interaction. If you're looking for aliens to arrive on Earth and land a spacecraft on the lawn of the White House and disembark and give a press conference, you may be projecting your own earthly biases onto aliens. Now, I know Neil deGrasse Tyson is a celebrity, so he's certainly high up in status in the human hierarchy. And so he probably thinks that the hierarchy is important and that aliens would similarly respect our hierarchy of human status. It's not obvious to me that they would do that. And I would point to all the abduction stories out there and stories of close encounters of the third kind and say, if you are convinced that aliens would not come here without initiating contact with us as a species, then you should consider abductions and close encounters of the third kind as evidence of that contact. I understand that some people don't want to use abductions as evidence for UFOs being a real phenomenon that needs to be investigated because then you're using hearsay, you're using a story told by an individual Certainly it's better if you want to convince someone who's skeptical, why not turn to these military sightings where they, a person's seen it and you've got camera footage and you've got sensor footage, multiple different vectors of information corroborating. There's your best evidence of a phenomena. But if after you say, okay, I admit the phenomenon is real, you then demand the same level, caliber of evidence for contact and you rule out abduction, and you rule out 
close encounters on the third kind of the third kind because there's been no no such comparable levels of evidence. I think you're asking too much. I think that's really unfair. I don't I dispute the premise that they would attempt to make contact. I think that's a very human notion that we need to have a face-to-face conversation. I dispute the idea that they would envision appropriate form of contact as being a press conference on the White House lawn. I dispute that uh, they're not in contact with us if they are in fact here. And just look look at the ancient alien people. People like Eric von Deineken who have been arguing for years that they've been in contact with us for, for centuries. Jacques Vallée, the French UFOologist, has written, we're part of a control system, that they've been interacting with us at a cultural level for millennia. They've been And that's contact, right? So I don't think this is a very good argument. It's not going to appeal to anyone who isn't already completely convinced there are no aliens. Sorry, it won't appeal to anyone who isn't already convinced that we're not in contact with aliens. But there is something interesting here, which is that he repeats repeats that old argument that we're too far away from habitable planets for aliens to contact us. That is, I think, a more interesting argument. I want to have a whole episode dedicated to that argument. I think I'm going to do that next time because I have reasons for thinking that aliens might be more local than anyone's realized before. And I'm going to make this case using both what you might call um, esoteric sources. I can draw both. So from some of the spooky and fringe literature on UFOs, but I also can make this case relying entirely on peer-reviewed scientific astronomy papers. And so I can make this argument appeal to people who are completely skeptical of aliens. I think we can get rid of the problem that Earth is too far away for aliens to get here. And um, so I want to talk about that next episode. So that's it for now. Everybody out there, uh, don't, don't go out and burn a witch at the stake just because you've got a hex on you. I would encourage you to look for um, spiritual supernatural means of defending yourself against witches. If you need to go on the offense, I would say go on the offense in kind. Use a supernatural tool or method for counterattacking the witch that is aggressing against you. Seems like that's the appropriate uh, means of recourse. And as for all the Belarusian activists, sorry, sounds like the Belarusian intelligence services has their own psychics and they can out-psychic you. And as for anyone who says there can't be aliens behind the UFOs because they would have contacted us, remember, don't anthropomorphize aliens and project a human notion of contact onto them. Be open to the possibility that they are in contact, but not with the people that you consider to be Earth's authorities. Until next time, this is Dane signing off. Stay strange and stay sane.